Normally, when I put together an introduction for one of these episodes, it tends to write itself. But for some reason, it looks like I've hit a wall for this episode. Today, we're talking about methane. Methane is a really potent greenhouse gas. It's a significant contributor to global warming. It's a very serious subject matter. But for some reason, as I'm sitting at the computer trying to figure out how to start this episode, all that comes to mind is cows and their digestive problems. It could be that working from home in isolation for so long is finally getting to me. Maybe no matter how old you are or how professional you try to be, cow farts never stop being funny. So I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and own up to it. Because this is where I'm at in year two of a global pandemic. Maybe trying to tackle a serious problem with a little bit of humor might be good for the soul. So with that said, on this episode, we're talking about methane what it is, how we use it, and how we can reduce the amount we release in the atmosphere. And also, maybe cows. Welcome to a new episode of Simply Science, the podcast that talks about the amazing scientific work that our experts at Natural Resources Canada are doing. My name is Joel Ull, and joining me is my co-host, Barb Ustina. Barb, how are you? I'm doing really well today, uh, Joel. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I've loved your setup to today's podcast. Yeah, well, you know what? I just, uh, I had writer's block and I just leaned into it. And you know what? Sometimes that's all you can do, right? Yeah. You have to go with what's what's come, you know, what's at top of mind for you, right? And and that was it. So, <laughs> but before we get going, I, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Sure, go ahead. Like, did you really put a lot of research into cows and farts and burps for this episode? Did you enlist the help of your kids, make it part of their pandemic curriculum? <laughs> I did bring up the subject uh, to my kids. Um, so basically, their way of doing research is to look up on Minecraft what uh, you know what cows do. Uh, but no, I did actually ask a few people, uh, including our spokesperson today, uh, about this because I was trying to see is there maybe an angle I can take. And what I found out actually, there's two things I found out that's really interesting. Like the first one is it's not just cows that uh, emit methane; it's all animals that are uh, ruminant animals. So animals animals with like four stomachs. So that includes like deer, moose, elk, muskox, uh, sheep, goats, and, and cows. So it's not just them. So that, that was, I found that very interesting. Yeah. But actually the second thing is even more interesting. It turns out it's not their farts. It's their burps. Oh so, no. But you, know, but you know what? To me, that's equally funny. Yeah. So so it, you know what it was a it was a fun thing to research on a very serious topic so definitely and your kids must have loved learning about it as well and you know what that is a lot of burping like that's a lot of volume <laughs> of burping to put that that much methane into the atmosphere right and I was so sure yeah. that farts were the source of uh, methane uh, like a hundred percent sure that it was farts so I've, I've learned something already um, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking that beef and dairy farmers the world over would probably be pleased to hear you point out that deer, moose, and other ruminant animals also contribute to methane emissions, because as far as farmers are 
probably concerned, these other creatures have been hanging out in their fields, eating crops with immunity, and then hanging out on our highways at night, burping methane and creating road hazards. So, so, but, but it's serious. And in all seriousness, this is a learning moment. And it's not often we have a chance to do some real myth busting on Simply Science. So this is pretty exciting. Yeah, exactly. I feel really good about it. Um, you know what? Let's, let's bring in our expert and see if there's other things that he could, you know, apply his myth busting capabilities to. Mm-hmm. So joining us today is Michael Lair. Michael, how are you? I'm really good, Joel. Perfect. Um, before we dive in, can you give us a little bit of a um, an introduction, uh, letting us know who you are and uh, why you're a spokesperson for methane at Natural Resources Canada? Sure, sure. So I'm a research engineer. Um, environmental engineering is my background, and I lead a, a research program from within Natural Resources Canada that focuses on upstream and midstream and downstream oil and gas emissions and methane is is one of the primary emissions from that sector and I work with uh, not only federal researchers but also with universities and provincial research labs and uh, companies and and innovators all over Canada and all over the world to uh, to address this subject thank you Michael um, okay let's start at the very basic here what is methane and where does it come from yeah, so methane, it's a really, really potent greenhouse gas, and it's formed from natural processes when living things like plants and animals decompose in an environment where there isn't any oxygen. And those are natural processes that go all you know, that, that happen all around us every day, and we see them taking place. And one of the most common areas that you will probably be familiar with is in wetlands. So anytime you've gone to a swamp and you see little bubbles coming up, that's largely methane being formed, and it's when plants and marine animals die and decompose underwater in, in the muck where there's no oxygen around. And uh, sometimes we see that methane bubble to the surface quite naturally, but a lot of it gets stored down there. And those processes continue for years and years and years, and they've been going on for millions of years, and that's where our fossil fuel resources come from. Uh, over millions of years, you've been storing that organic matter, and uh, and now we're tapping into those resources to produce um, fossil fuels such as natural gas, which is largely methane. And we use that methane every day in our lives to heat our homes, to grow our food, to to create fertilizers, and even things like printer cartridges and um, hydrogen that we use in clean fuel cells. And so the human activity that we engage in uh, really increases the number of natural sources of methane over and above what's going on in nature, and that can get released into the atmosphere right away. And some of that uh, human activity is what's exacerbating the methane emissions around the world right now. Now, I see, uh, you know, methane is being mentioned a a lot in, in news reports these days, and I'm wondering if you can tell me, you know, why... Is methane something that the scientific community is interested in as well? So uh, because methane is such a potent greenhouse gas and because our human activity is really contributing to the rate at which methane is being released into the environment, uh, scientists are really interested in studying uh, how it is that methane could be mitigated 
uh, going forward. So scientists are currently estimating that methane is responsible for about 40% of global warming that started since uh, you know, the Industrial Revolution, for example. And we know that methane affects our climate, but it also contributes to air pollution, uh, things like smog that really cause serious health uh, effects as well. And methane is something that scientists have uh, coined as a short-lived climate pollutant, and that means that it stays in the environment for a whole lot less time than carbon dioxide does, which is the greenhouse gas that most people know about. Uh, so in comparison, methane's lifetime in the atmosphere is about 12 years, but in that short period of time, it can have about 84 times more impact as a greenhouse gas. And so scientists are focusing on addressing things like methane, that if we mitigate methane right away, to what degree could that have a health benefit as well as a climate benefit for us right away? So because methane is so much more potent than carbon dioxide at trapping heat in the atmosphere, and uh, because it contributes to uh, health impacts as well, if we get rid of methane emissions immediately, we can have a really immediate impact upon not only climate change, but also upon health issues uh, that are facing Canadians and, and people around the world. Uh, speaking of those health issues that you mentioned earlier there, can you uh, expand a little bit and tell us like, what are those important health issues? Yeah, sure. So when, when methane's in the atmosphere, it responds to sunlight and to heat, and that leads to some chemical reactions that take place in the atmosphere that result in pollutants such as ozone or smog that we've heard about. And smog, as we are aware, can really irritate our, eye, our eyes and our lungs, and doctors are linking smog and ozone to really serious health impact like heart disease and lung disease. And there are studies around right now that estimate that about a million people a year die prematurely because of smog and ozone-related illnesses. And in preparation for this discussion today, I actually went to Environment and Climate Change Canada's webpage, and there's a statement there that says uh, that about $120 billion a year in health impacts are caused in Canada just from air pollution. And so it, it's really important for us, not only from a health and environment standpoint, but economics as well. It costs us a lot of money. So even though methane might not directly cause a human health impact, it's linked to, uh, to health effects. So addressing it, um, as I said earlier, has the opportunity to instantaneously approve our environmental, our health, and our economic benefits. Those are some pretty interesting uh, numbers and statistics there. Um, and I'm, I'm especially interested in like the 40% of global warming, um, you know, approximately is, um, you know, said to be due to methane emissions. Um, so it's really, if, if we can get in at the methane emissions, that would be, that would be great. So how can we minimize methane emissions and mitigate the risks? Yeah, that's a really good question, Barb. And there's actually a lot that we can do, and there's a lot that we're already doing. So uh, as individuals, we can start by reducing methane from 
the uh, the activities that we're currently engaged in. And so, for example, landfill sites are a, a really big source of methane emissions, and those methane emissions come from the food waste and the organic waste that we throw out every day and send to landfills. So if we uh, implement recycling plants uh, in our homes and in our workplaces, that can have a huge impact on reducing methane because we can divert those materials away from our landfills. Or if we compost our food waste, and then we can use that uh, composted material as organic fertilizer, and that can offset some of the commercial fertilizers that we produce from gases like methane. And so uh, we we need less methane in the environment, and that uh, creates less emissions going forward. So um, biodigesters, for example, is another thing that uh, municipalities all over Canada are starting to implement in areas where they have wastewater treatment facilities. So they put the organic waste from the wastewater into biodigesters, and they utilize that to produce renewable methane. So that reduces our reliance on methane from fossil fuels. And so that's another way of contributing to um, reducing methane emissions by reducing our dependence upon fossil fuel-based methane. And in agriculture, there's another big opportunity there. We've heard a lot about methane emissions in livestock, especially from cows and sheep and goats and things like that. So research is identifying that new feed additives can really have an impact on reducing the methane that's produced from those animals when they digest the plants that they eat. And recent studies, for example, have shown that uh, if we put seaweed in feed, that can reduce methane emissions from cows and sheep and goats by as much as 80%. And then if we move over to fossil fuel production, there's a lot of ways that we can eliminate methane from there as well. So first up, we can conserve the methane that's currently being released into the atmosphere, and we can capture that and deliver it into the economy instead of letting it slip into the environment. And then we can utilize that clean methane to uh, manufacture the products that we talked about earlier, such as fertilizers or plastics or the um, the printer cartridges or the clean hydrogen that we might use in the future. And uh, it's important for us to keep improving the monitoring and the repairing of unintentional leaks from our oil and gas infrastructure as well. So those are some of the things that we can do to minimize methane. So, Michael, I, I'm really interested in the oil and gas aspect of it. But before uh, before we move on, um, just a quick question. When you mean that, um, like, using more, like, recycling uh, at home, do you mean, uh, you know, reducing our amount of, like, plastics and, and paper and such? Or do you mean reusing them? Like, what exactly do you mean by uh, recycling at home? Yeah. So, uh, recycling at home is uh, anything that we can do that prevents paper or plastics or food from going into landfill sites because you'll remember when we started our conversation I described how methane is a natural process uh, it, it's a it's the result of a natural process and so whenever you send something organic into an environment like a landfill where it can decompose in an environment where there's no oxygen the result is methane emissions and so if you can starve that natural process of its food be it our organic wastes, you reduce the methane from sources such as landfills. And then if the 
plastics or the papers uh, are recycled. You don't have to cut more trees or produce more oil and gas to get the methane uh, that you would use to produce the plastics, for example. Um, and if you compost the food waste, you would be able to use that organic fertilizer as uh, as a soil amendment instead of, for example, buying a fertilizer that was produced from methane in the first place. Does that help a little bit, Joel? It does. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Um, so, so we want to talk more about oil and gas. How are we at Natural Resources Canada helping to reduce the methane emissions from oil and gas uh, production? That's a great question, and there's a lot of things that NRCAN is is currently doing, and that ranges from providing research funding to universities or to federal research labs, such as the one that I work in, and uh, we also collaborate with Environment and Climate Change Canada and uh, Canadian innovators from provincial organizations or from universities. And we engage in projects in Canada and around the world to showcase some of the really neat cutting edge or, or leading Canadian technologies and solutions that are being developed to uh, detect and measure methane accurately, as well as to reduce methane from oil and gas activities. And I'll give you some examples. So we, we currently work with uh, Carleton University here in Ottawa to develop new emission quantification technologies and methods. And the results of that work is being used by Environment and Climate Change Canada right now to improve the accuracy of our national emissions inventory report that gets sent to the United Nations every year. And that's how we uh, can report out to the world the impacts that we're having on reducing emissions is through those inventories. And we also collaborate with Canadian oil and gas producers and, as I said, Canadian universities and some really, really leading Canadian innovators, inventors that are developing new technologies and new methods to uh, further reduce and eliminate methane and other greenhouse gases as well. And then we work together to deploy those new solutions into demonstration projects. Uh, across Canada and around the world. And in fact, uh, through the current Emissions Reduction Fund at, at NRCAN, we're currently working on projects that are on track to deliver more than 3.1 megatons of new methane emissions reduction, so uh, megatons CO2 equivalent of, of methane reductions based upon some projects that are implemented or being implemented right now. And to put that into perspective, that's equal to about 950,000 cars being pulled off the road. So that's being done over the next year or so, and there are more projects coming under that emission reduction fund. So it sounds like it's a really fascinating uh, field of research right now. Mike, are you at liberty to talk in any more detail about some of the collaborations you're working on? Yeah, so we, we're currently working with 15 companies on 40 projects across British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan under that Emission Reduction Fund uh, program that I just mentioned briefly. And as I said, there's about 3.1 megatons of carbon dioxide equivalent uh, reduction that's going to be coming just out of that alone. 
And uh, these kinds of domestic projects are really being recognized by a lot of our international partner countries under the Paris Agreement, for example. And we're often asked to collaborate in sharing those Canadian solutions internationally. And we work really, really closely with Environment and Climate Change Canada on some international projects that are going on right now, for example, in the Pacific Alliance countries such as Colombia. And we're deploying some of those made in Canada solutions in Colombia right now. And Colombia is utilizing that support or that collaboration from Canada to further implement and achieve their nationally determined contributions or commitments to the Paris Agreement. And so together with really innovative Canadian technology developers and service providers and partnerships with Environment and Climate Change Canada, we're I guess, addressing the shared objectives that our country has, along with these other countries, the global community, in essence, to uh, to further address methane emissions. And we're working together to create a lower carbon future and then to perhaps position Canada to be among the first to hit that net zero emissions by 2050 target that everybody is, is uh, really aiming for right now under the Paris Agreement. So if if people want to know more about NRCAN's work regarding methane, are there any resources available online? Yeah, indeed there are. Um, For example, they could visit the NRCAN webpage and specifically search for the Emissions Reduction Fund webpage. That'll give them some insight into that particular program and the types of projects that we're pulling forward right now. And I think I would also direct people's attention to Environment and Climate Change Canada's webpage, and they could search out... uh, the types of collaborative projects that uh, the government of Canada is engaged in internationally, like the one I just mentioned in Colombia. And then finally, uh, Canada is a founding member of an international partnership known as the Climate and Clean Air Coalition. And that site has a really tremendous amount of information in there that's, uh, that's, I think, indicative of of many of the things we talked about today. It's a really good resource, and I think it's also a really good reflection of Canada's leadership in the global community in regards to addressing methane and uh, climate change in general, as well as human health that we talked about. Thank you so much, Michael, for uh, coming by and chatting with us about methane. Oh, it's my pleasure, Joelle, and uh, I, I enjoy these kinds of discussions and welcome more in the future if you're interested. Of course, we'll have to bring you back. That was a really interesting interview with Michael. Uh, I'm a little surprised at the importance of composting. I just assume that it doesn't really matter what you do with organic waste because it's going to decompose anyway. So it looks like it does make a difference, though, if it's in a landfill or not. Because, like Michael pointed out, that if you take organic waste and have it decompose in an environment without oxygen, that it creates methane. And to me, that was really eye-opening. It's so true. Um, Mike really was a fantastic interview. I thought it was also really eye-opening to hear that air pollution in general leads to about $120 billion in health impacts every year in Canada. And now, not all of that is due to methane, of course, but every bit we can reduce our emissions will, will help. And that's $120 billion with a B. That's insane. $120 billion. So if you, our audience, is interested in learning more about methane, we do have some links in the episode description that might be of interest to you. 
Like always, if you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. If you share it over Twitter, make sure to tag us at Science, or even better, if you can tweet at us directly, I'm at Joel Science. And I'm at Simply Science B. That's the letter B. I might remind everyone that Simply Science also has a website and a YouTube channel, which you should check out. We have in-depth articles of interest and videos that showcase the fascinating scientific work that we do here at Natural Resources Canada. And you can find those links in the episode description as well as social media channels. Thank you, Barb. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. See you next time.